You are Locked On Raiders, your daily Oakland Raiders podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather beaten. He wears a hooded sash with a silver hat about his head and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. Trees all shake and quiver and fake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. And won. Welcome in Raider Nation to another episode of the Locked On Raiders podcast on this Thursday, February 14th, Valentine's Day. It is 2019, of course. I'm your boy Q on Twitter, at your boy Q254. And as promised on Wednesday's episode, I told you I was going to show a little bit of love. My man Chris Plank does Norman Radio, does radio for the Sooners Radio Network, also on Fox Sports Radio, really good radio host. He is going to join us on the show today, and it's going to be me and him the whole way. All three segments, me and Chris Plank, all about Kyler Murray, all about the Raiders, all about free agency, the draft, all kind of uh, different Raider talk. Me and Chris Plank at Plank Show on Twitter. Here's part one of my conversation with Chris Plank on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. Joining me now on the phone line to talk some Raiders and also Kyler Murray is Chris Plank from Sooner Radio Network and also has a show on Fox Sports Radio. You can find him on Twitter at Plank Show and most importantly, he's a Raiders fan. So Chris, thank you so yeah. much for joining the show. Uh, I've been on your show, you've been on mine. Now you're on the Lockdown Raider podcast. So Chris, the biggest question, the biggest mystery surrounding this draft is what in the world is the official height of Kyler Murray? Do you know? Does anybody know? Uh, a while back, the media relations guy for OU, uh, Mike Houck, had tweeted out the official height that they had on him because they they measured him right before the start of the season, and I'm pretty sure it was just a it was right at about five ten. So this whole idea that he's going to somehow become the magically shrinking man that he's become in the media uh, is a little bit is a little bit funny to me. He's Listen, he, he's by no means Derek Carr's height, and he's by no means Doug Flutie. So, you know, you got, you got somewhere there in the middle, uh, but the thing that's most important is he is an absolute playmaker. Yeah, no, he is. He's a winner. I mean, that's one of the things I've been saying a lot. He's an absolute winner. But let me ask you this. One of the comparisons that a lot of people have been having from Daniel Jeremiah to Bucky Brooks to all these guys that are draft gurus, or at least they say they're draft gurus, or they're comparing him to, comparing him to, to Russell Wilson and – Russell Wilson's 5'11", and he's thick. He's like 220. Right. I don't see Kyler Murray in the shape of Russell Wilson. Um, I think it would surprise you a okay. little bit, Q, if, if you were next to him, if you were, uh, if you were around him. I think it's, it would surprise you a bit because he's a little thicker than maybe what we think, if we can use that term. Okay. Um, but, 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 no, he, he's not, he's not as, as stout of a dude as Russell Wilson. He's faster than Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I would go as far as what Kirk Herbstreet did today. Kirk Herbstreet today said that um, Reggie Bush is the way that he runs. <laughs> so, wow. I, I mean, it, it, so he, don't get me wrong. He runs better than any quarterback that I've seen. 
But uh, Reggie Bush, man, that dude was breaking guys' ankles nonstop. So, in my opinion, yeah, you're not you're not looking at a guy that is as thick as a Russell Wilson, and obviously not as tall. But it's not as if this is some dude that's coming in as uh, you know. It, y- you have to weigh him at it, soaking wet to get him to where he needs to be. And man, by the way, we, we were talking about it. I just found the actual number here. Uh, it was five nine and seven eighths in socks. Is what he weigh is what he was measured at prior to the season. So that was before the season started, and he was weigh. Uh, he was uh, oh gosh, his height was he was measured at five foot nine, seven eighth of an inch, and uh, in socks. So you know maybe right around where people think he's going to be, maybe he can get up to five ten. But yeah, you know Kyler's. It's going to be a hell of a debate, Q, between now and the draft, and we all know from this process that it only takes one team. But from a from a measurables, it's going to be debated. But, man, when you see him run and when you see that arm talent, you're going to really want to find a way to not only watch more of him but see if he fits into what your team's trying to do, I think. See, and that, that's something that I've been talking about a lot as of late. Again, I mean, the height bothers me a little bit. The, the weight bothers me a little bit. I just don't know how long he can scramble and, and stay alive and run around in the NFL. I think it's just a different animal. But you've been around him. I mean, you, you're obviously right there around the Sooners. What makes him tick? What makes him such a, I mean, like I said earlier, a winner? He's just that guy that, you know, some guys have that, like a loser mentality. I, I used an example <laughs> right. of Chris Weber the other day. He's just like a natural loser. He's a hell of an athlete. But, he, I mean, seriously, I mean, he's never won anything in my opinion so but Kyler Murray has won everything at every level he's won what kind of makes him go well I know one thing that helped him out at OU this year was uh, four offensive linemen who are going to get drafted in a freshman <laughs> all-american right that helps out quite a bit whenever you have that line around you he loves competition last uh last spring during baseball I went over and talked to him at uh, Mitchell Park, that's the baseball stadium here at OU. Mm-hmm. And I kind of pose that same question. I'm like, dude, you, get, you know, you've got this crazy schedule. You get up, you go work out for football, you come over, you do hitting practice, uh, you do football practice, and you go back and you do some more baseball. And, you know, you, then you got school to throw on top of it. Why? Why? What are you doing? He goes, he goes, I just, this is what I do. He goes, I love to compete. He goes, if I could right now, I'd be out there trying to play basketball. You know, he's just. <laughs> He's a constant competitor, and I think it helps, too, when you've always been the fastest guy uh, in about anything that you've done, and you've always been really good at it, but, you know, it's, it's crazy because here is a guy who came into Norman, Oklahoma, when we had the Pied Piper of, of fandom. You know, you followed Baker Mayfield because that was the guy, and when... When he got into it with an opposition, you felt like that he was standing up for you. And that was your guy. And this was the greatest quarterback you've ever had. And he talked gas, and you didn't care, and you loved every minute of it. Kyler Murray made people forget about Baker Mayfield. and not, That's not a knock on Baker by right. any stretch of the imagination, because he could have a bronze statue out there. But we thought that it would take years to recover from Baker Mayfield. Like, it was gonna be the, the, the worst breakup you've ever had, and, and they, they moved on to better things, and you're kind of stuck there. And you're like, what am I going to do? And then this this Kyler Murray dude comes in and just absolutely finds another level. So he's not rah-rah. He's not going to go over and get the crowd all fired up. I think he did that a couple of times this year. But he leads in different ways. And he's just he's, – he's programmed differently. He's been around it his whole life. His dad was a star athlete. His uncle was a major league baseball player, at least in the, in the minor league system. So he's always – 
been prepared for this moment. And I'm telling you what, dude, I, I think when we get to the combine, he's going to jaw drop a lot of people. So he's wired to prove people wrong and to show people that his height and his size doesn't matter. But he's just not the kind of guy like a Baker Mayfield that's going to make sure that you know that he knows you're doubting you. He's just going to go out and do it. Yeah, because Baker has a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he absolutely does. Oh, he'll let you know, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he's going to do it. And that's why I thought he was going to succeed in the league. Because he was, you know what I mean? He just, he has that mentality where I'm going to succeed and you can't stop me. Where Kyler is very quiet. You know, he doesn't he doesn't go out there and he doesn't brag about it. But you don't always have to do that. You could do it on the field. So, I mean, it's just, I've been one of those guys. I, I'm guilty. I'm, maybe I'm one of the guys pushing him. I've always doubted him. When he was at a and I yeah. doubted you know, I said he can't do it. When he was in Oklahoma, I said he couldn't doubt. Well, he just put him in the playoffs and won the Heisman. So what do I know? You know what I'm saying? Well, but, so. but it's funny, it's funny, Q, because you're not alone. And there's people that are still doing it today. Right. There's people, uh, there's people that wear crimson and cream every day of their life that when Baker Mayfield said he was transferring here, they go, what are you doing? You're never going to play. We got Trevor Knight. We got Cody Thomas. We got Justice Hansen. We got Blake Bell. We got Kendall Thompson. Dude, what are you doing? You're never going to play. And lo and behold, he's a three-year starter, and he wins a Heisman Trophy. People saying the same thing. When Kyler Murray came here, ah, I don't know, you know, little undersized guy, things didn't go well at A&M, and then all of a sudden he gets here and finds another level. There's people today uh, on national pundits, even after what Baker did and even after Kyler's season, they say, well, I just don't know, maybe it's Lincoln Riley's system. But – Baker had a really good freshman year, and Kyler's got a chance to be the top pick in the draft once again. So, I there is I don't think anyone has to say, uh, and I don't think anyone will. Yeah, my bad for doubting him because I could completely understand. And I think again, Kyler feeds off that, but in a different way than Baker does, and in a less public way than Baker does. But. Dude, let me tell you something. He has that chip. He loves to prove people wrong. He absolutely does. You know, one thing I do love about uh, Baker Mayfield, or not Baker Mayfield, but Kyler Murray, excuse me, is the fact that he's going after what he really loves. You know what I'm saying? Oh, not, of course. Not yeah. what, what makes smart sense. Like, okay, go get go play baseball. Go make that long-term money. You'll probably play a lot longer because you, you don't worry about taking hits to the head all the time and all that good stuff. You know, go play baseball. It's a lot safer. He's yeah. saying, you know what? I'm going to go play what I love. So I can totally respect that. You know, and that's one thing that I really learned, Q, and I say it in every chance I get to talk about Kyler. Um, he loves football. You know, I, I, I'm not someone who can pick up my phone and text uh, Kyler. Uh, we're not that tight, but I talked to him after every single game. I, I covered every snap that he ever took, and I saw a guy that I think consistently would lay out how much he loves football. And, you know, I go back to the preseason. For, for, for some reason, in the preseason of football this year, the topic of conversation about whether or not Kyler Murray would come back for another year kept coming up. And, you know, we all, everyone just kind of said, stop it. He signed the baseball contract. He's, he's going to go play baseball. And Lincoln Riley always said, guys can have options. You know, and, and we all kind of laughed a little bit about it. Said, oh, okay, coach. You know, in the back of our minds, we, we're, he's going to have options. He just got five mil to go play baseball. And the reason that Lincoln could confidently say that is because, A, he knew how good he was, and B, he knew how much he loved football. You know, if Lincoln Riley saw a Kyler Murray that was not dialed in in meetings, a Kyler Murray that was not dialed in whenever it came to understanding the system and the scheme and his reads, I don't think that he would have been as outspoken as he was and is about the guy's prospects. Riley's a straight shooter, man. 
he's not he's not going to mess around. And I think when you see the way that he talks about Kyler Murray, that pretty much tells you all you need to know about how focused that guy is on football. So that was part one right there. Me and Chris Plank, one-on-one, talking all things Raiders. A lot of Kyler Murray right there in that conversation. So just in case you want to know a little bit more insight, uh, who better to ask than a guy that's right there, been covering the Sooners like a glove, and uh, has had many, many conversations with Kyler Murray. So that's uh, part one of my conversation with Chris Plank. Coming up in segment number two, I got part two, obviously. That's coming up next on the Locked On Raiders podcast. You are Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, welcome back. Segment number two of the Locked On Raiders podcast, and we're going to jump right back into it. My conversation with Chris Plank at Plank Show on Twitter. Chris, at the beginning of the interview, I said you're a Raider fan, uh, you know, and that, that's awesome. Uh, and I saw on Tuesday the fact that you tweeted out or you, you had a picture of Kyler Murray in a Raiders uniform, and uh, you're like, hey, I'm all for this. And I said, oh, man, this is, I quote tweeted it and said, oh, here's the first of many because the Raiders had three picks in the first round, including number four overall. Would you, knowing what you know about Kyler Murray, would you like to see him, not because you're a fan of him, but just because of his skill set and you know kind of what John Gruden wants to do as a head coach, would you like to see him as a quarterback of the Oakland Raiders? When when I sent that that me it's on my Twitter feed at Plank Show, my thought was I fall in love with the NFL draft photoshops of guys in uniform, uh, already photoshopped in, wearing the numbers. So yeah. most of that was just oh, bring me more of these because that's fantastic. Okay, uh, I, I I love the silver and black, and also in that I've fallen in love with Derek Carr as a quarterback. I really have, and I think Derek Carr. Can some people immediately just hit stop on the podcast? So uh, I'm just I'm sorry, <laughs> but I love Derek Carr, and uh, I, I'm not one of these guys. It's like he's a good guy. He's a Christian. No, I I love Derek Carr, the quarterback. Okay. I mean, go back and watch the fourth quarter of that Steelers game and some of those throws that he made, throwing it to Seth Roberts, uh, a seventh round draft pick, Jordy Nelson, who it took a while to get going. I mean, it's just. His and whatever was wrong with Amari Cooper in Oakland, I'll never understand. But I think Dallas will find out in time that he can be a little bit flaky. Mm-hmm. So I'm a firm believer in Derek Carr, and I think he's the guy in John Gruden's system that can get us to the promised land. But if Kyler Murray slips, and you're looking at a situation to where Gruden seems to have become infatuated with what Patrick Mahomes has done in Kansas City and thinking of, you know, he had success with a smaller quarterback in Gruden. He's been one of the outspoken guys that said he's kind of changed his mindset. And knowing that I spent months and months telling people that they're dumb and they're stupid and the Raiders would never, ever, ever trade Khalil Mack. (laughs) Me too. Uh, I've kind of learned my lesson that maybe I don't know as much as I'd like to think I do about this team. I believe in Derek Carr. I don't think the Raiders are going to draft Kyler Murray at four. But if something happens where he starts to slip a little bit and Gruden and Mayock like what they heard, it would not surprise me at all to see them try to move up with one of those other first-round picks or maybe package a second-round pick in it to move up and go get him. Because he's if they drafted him, I would be the happiest guy on the planet. But I would also it would also be in knowing that the dude that I believe in is probably on his way out. So I don't I don't think you can take him to the top five. I, I, it, for, this is me talking as a Raiders right, fan, right, not right, as right. a team that needs a quarterback. I don't think with Derek Carr as your quarterback, you waste a top five pick or you use a top five pick 
on Kyler Murray uh, because you got needs at rush end. We're on year. When did Kirk Morrison retire? You know, we're on year like 10 of needing a middle linebacker. This team needs help in the back end. This team, uh, you know, we'll see if Brandon Parker is going to be the, the guy at right tackle. Coletio Simile tweeted out today that he's in the best shape of his life, but that's a big price tag for him. Are they going to continue to commit to that? Uh, you need weapons. You need weapons. You know, I know you got three first-round picks. One of those better be a receiver. Um, but you, you need weapons. So when Mike Mayock said quarterback is the least of his worries, I didn't take that as just some line. Right. I took that to be okay. They're gonna we're gonna be smarter about this. We're gonna get the edge rusher if it's Josh Allen. They're gonna fortify the inside with you know a Mo Hurst, Eddie Vanderdose getting back next year, and let's go get Quinn and Williams or if it's Nick Bose or, or whomever ends up. There defensively that can help you out, or or if Devin White blows up and and has a great combine, there's our guy, there's our middle linebacker we've been waiting for. So, you know that's a lot of words to say. I believe in Derek Carr, and if we can fill some holes and not grab him at four, I'm good with it. I just, you know, I've I've learned not to rule out anything after the Mac deal and the Cooper trade. But I also, I also think that with Mayock, you'll have some good debate. You'll have a steadying force in there to say, listen, we don't need to collect quarterbacks. We need to collect uh, playmakers, and we need to collect uh, defensive playmakers. Now, let, I, I want to add one thing, Q. When the Cleo Mack trade was made, I was on the air. I was on Fox Sports Radio. I was doing the overnight show. It was the first week, opening Saturday <laughs> I'm of sorry. college football. <laughs> I apologize. Oklahoma had, <laughs> yeah, Oklahoma had just beating Florida Atlantic. Right. So I'm doing the overnight show, and I'll never forget, the person I was doing the show with had covered John Gruden when he was at Tampa. And I was fired up, man. I, was, I mean, you, to do that before the season, it's almost as if you just undercut that whole locker room. And it was real interesting to hear Donald Penn talk about it last week. With that said, I remember that dude said, when I covered Gruden during his time at Tampa, after he won the Super Bowl, he, he lamented how how much it set him back that he had lost those first-round picks and how the draft capital that Tampa gave up to get him really hurt them in the long run. So, you know, maybe, maybe that was some sort of justification in my mind that they realized, listen, it's not always about going out and spending everything you've got to try to get one or two players. It's about amassing a load of talent and going through the draft. So, Maybe, just just maybe, through the Mac deal and the Cooper deal, Gruden's got what he's always wanted, and it's not about using that draft to kind of take a flyer on a quarterback that you think is great and really building a great team around what I think is a pretty good quarterback. I love that answer. I, I love every bit of that answer, and I think a lot of folks are going to love that answer as well because I believe in well, Derek Carr as well, but it's just it just okay. seems like, you know what I mean? It's like one of those situations you just don't know what's going on in the mind of John Gruden, so it's been one of the biggest yeah. debates. Is Derek Carr going to stick around? Is he going to be replaced? What's I even suggested in 2020 maybe going after Tua just to provide some competition, but you know I, 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 that answer I thought you said was spot on. Well, and, and think about this. Here, here's my belief. A lot of teams have a flash, and then they step back. And, and, and John Gruden has been getting destroyed for the Cleo Mack deal. Vic Fangio just left Chicago. Right. Uh, Mitch Trubisky was okay. He got in the Pro Bowl somehow, which was criminal to me. 
the Bears could easily have a Jaguars type season True. this year. I mean, they really could. And that draft and the Raiders. I mean, listen, I'm I, I, I'm going to believe that we're going to go sixteen and zero because I'm a dumb fan. <laughs> but whenever it gets down to it, you know, you might be looking at a team that's picking in the teens again. So when you talk about next year, the Raiders will have, regardless of what happens, two picks. So uh, are, are you are you telling me that maybe either a Mayock? Or a Gruden haven't started to look ahead to a Justin Herbert who's going to be out there next year, or maybe even a Tua Tungle as you brought up. I mean, there's going to be options in 2020. But again, there is something special about Kyler Murray. The thing that's going to be interesting is the is the interviews because I just don't think he's going to kill it in the interviews um, when it comes to. Uh, certain aspects of it. When they when they get to draw it on the board and they get to write and play, they get, oh, he's going to destroy it. Right. He's just a different personality, man. He's got a unique way of looking at things. that He's not going to wow you like a Baker Mayfield does. But, bro, when they get him on the board and they start talking plays, this dude is a, is a, a brilliant, brilliant football mind, and I can't wait to see that reaction. And it, to me, one reason why I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him in the silver and black is because I think he kind of talks the language football-wise that John Gruden's going to love. And what's Gruden got? Nine years left on this deal? <laughs> yep. Um, you're going to have to deal with Patrick Mahomes for nine of those years. <laughs> you know, Mahomes is, what, 24? Man. So he's not going anywhere in the next nine years. So if you think, I don't know if I can outscore Mahomes with Derek Carr, maybe I need a Kyler Murray, that, that's going to be a real interesting thing to follow. No, it really will be. Uh, you bring up a great point right there, and that's something that I've definitely thought about. And Patrick Mahomes, the minute that he was drafted by the Raiders, I just knew he's going to be a thorn in their side for oh. years. I mean, it, it, it drove me crazy. I was standing at the bottom of the Philadelphia steps, the Rocky steps, and they called his name, and I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. I was so <laughs> angry. And then, well, we saw what he did in 2018. Let me ask you this, because another topic that's been coming up that's hot and heavy uh, surrounding the silver and black. Obviously, Antonio Brown, he comes out and says bye to, bye to uh, Pittsburgh. He, he's under contract, so he can't really say bye to Pittsburgh till Pittsburgh says bye to him, but whatever. He wants out. <laughs> I get it. Le'Veon Bell, he's already out, kind of, sort of, whatever. We'll see what happens. Any interest in either one of those guys, either by way of trade or free agency for you? Sure. Absolutely. I mean, it's got to come at the right price. I don't think you... Hit- Gosh, man, How, is there a timeline on this thing, Q? No, man, hey, man, hey, we're, we're just having a good time, man. Go ahead and let it rip. <laughs> I ain't mad at you. <laughs> so I'll say this. On Antonio Brown, I'm not giving up a first-round pick for him. Okay. And I thought, honestly, when I saw that uh, video today, or depending on whatever this fall, the video came on Tuesday, when I saw that video, I legitimately thought he'd been cut. I thought, so. okay, I guess they've cut him. So apparently not, and he's just trying to somehow force a trade Good luck on that. Right. I'm not giving up a first-round pick for Antonio Brown. Now, do, do I think that if you get the, the Henry kid out of Arizona State or D.K. Metcalf out of Ole Miss or Marquise Brown that, that they're going to automatically be Antonio Brown? No. But, I mean, Antonio Brown was, what, fourth, fifth-round pick? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not going to break the bank uh, to go get Antonio Brown. But if that price starts to fall, I'll play with a third, second-round pick for him, and I think most of the NFL would on that front. Uh, there's a lot of buzz now about how the Patriots are somehow positioning for him. But I, I don't know. It's just me. I don't part with the first-round pick based on his, his contract to get Antonio Brown in Oakland. Le'Veon Bell, I just think someone's going to throw ridiculous money at him. If it's the Jets, if it's the Dolphins, whoever it is. And I thought, you know, I'm on the Chris Warren train I think there it was a it reminded me of lot uh, of when Marquette King had a really good 
preseason right. and the Raiders they they put him on IR and let him work throughout the year. He ended up winning the, the punting battle and uh, they moved on from Shane Leckler. So that that this scenario obviously punting much different than a running back. That reminds me a lot of what they're doing here with Chris Warren. I am a big Jalen Richard fan, uh, or now they're all saying Richard. So I don't know which are I've always said Richard, but uh, I'm a big Jalen Richard guy, and I think this is a really good draft for running backs. I mean, mm-hmm. you start thinking about the three-headed monster from Alabama uh, and Josh Jacobs, a stud. Now he had he didn't get a lot of carries, but he's a, a versatile guy. David Montgomery, the running back out of Iowa State, was one of the shiftiest dudes that I watched this season. People forget about Bryce Love just because he had a bad season and got dinged up. I mean, this was someone that everyone was raving about as a first-round pick. And my personal favorite, Rodney Anderson, who's coming off an injury but was the best player on the field during the Rose Bowl against Georgia two years ago. So um, if the price is right, I say you get it on the Lavian Bell process. I just don't think it's going to be. Now, I do think it's going to be very interesting to see how involved the Raiders are in that veteran wide receiver market. You know, is mm-hmm. uh, uh, Funches out of Carolina? I'm not a big fan of, but he's had flashes. He kind of has that Gruden mindset, if you will. So that wouldn't surprise me at all. So I mean, I'm just I. What about Golden was, Tate? What about Golden Tate? Didn't that look like a Gruden guy to you? Dude, absolutely, absolutely, and. You know, people kind of forgot about the deal that the Eagles made because the Cooper trade came on that same day. Yep. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a big believer in Golden Tate. I was actually kind of surprised that Detroit made him available because he was having such a good season last year. But boy, Detroit was kind of a mess at times this year. And this comes from someone who watched every game of unfortunately what was a mess this year <laughs> for the Raiders. Right. So uh, I wouldn't complain about Tate either. I just. I, you know what? Call me crazy, but I just I think the Raiders are going to be really active. I think this idea that they're just oh we got the draft we're going to wait till Vegas I don't buy that at all. Man. Right. Mark Davis wants to win. John Gruden wants to win. Mike Mayock wants to win. I don't think anyone comes into any situation and says you know in two years we're going to be really good and that's what we're aiming for. I think everybody comes into a situation and says we want to win now. Um, you, you tell me if the Raiders would have went out on Monday Night Football and held on to that lead and beat the Rams, that suddenly this, well, no, 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 listen, everyone calm down, we're tanking this year. No, I mean, it's just, <laughs> you, everyone wants to win. You right. want to win. Yep. And, I, and I do believe the Raiders are going to be very involved in free agency. I think when Gerald, if the Buccaneers move on from Gerald McCoy, I think that's a guy they're going to be very much involved in. I think they're going to be in on the Quan Alexander sweepstakes or if C.J. Mosley ends up in free agency. You know, during the Reggie McKenzie era, I spent a majority of March yelling at my computer because the Raiders weren't making free agent moves. Now, sometimes in the long run, those worked out. Right. But for the most part, you want to see your team active in free agency not waiting for scraps because it shows you that they're vested. It shows you that, all right, we're, we're making a move. And, again, you know, it's funny because everyone says, yeah, well, look how that worked out for Miami. Yeah, they're not the right fit with right. Adama and Sue, and they paid him a bunch of money. But it worked out okay for Sue when he went to the Rams. You know, it worked out okay in some of the free agent moves that took place. I want to see him involved in Dante Fowler. So I just want to see a team, and I think it's going to be a team that's really going to be active 
starting March 13th when free agency takes off. And I, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if you hear him attached quite a bit more to Le'Veon Bell if that number's right. Yeah, no, I, I can see that as well. The only thing I, I think about Le'Veon Bell is he's, you know, he's, he's obviously a little bit older, but he's got so much wear and tear on his tires. The Steelers have yeah. ran him so much. So I would kind of caution a little bit there. But with Antonio Brown, I mean, John Gruden loves him. He's made that yeah. perfectly known that he's the hardest working dude in the league. He compared him to Jerry Rice. And he had Jerry Rice at the end of his career. So I think, this is just my personal gut feeling, he's going to call Mike Tomlin. He's going to call the Roonies and say, hey, I have this to offer you. Maybe that 35 uh, overall pick, number, the, you know, in the first and the second round. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, I think that he'll say, hey, I'll give you this pick for A, B straight up. Uh, what do you say? And I think he's going to at least shoot his shot just because he has so much respect for Antonio Brown. What, what do you think of the possibility, too, if he does become enamored with Kyler Murray? of trying to shop a car to somewhere like Washington. I don't know if Pittsburgh would be in the mix with Roethlisberger still there, but, I mean, you, you suddenly you, – I'm just thinking about trade pieces. Right, yeah. What are they, you, you don't really have anything. That's a, that's a trade. I mean, Coleccio Simile, um, maybe, I, I really hope they don't trade Rodney Hudson. No. We learned that maybe there wasn't a market for Joseph or Conley, and that's probably a good thing because the way they developed down the stretch. But, you know, when you, when you talk about trying to make a deal – the only thing you got is draft picks, right? right? And they've got a lot of them. So oh, I, I, as as much as I want to sit here and say that, oh, I would never ever trade a first round pick for Antonio Brown. You, you can bet your backside that if they made the move, I'd be all about it because you're right. John John Gruden fell in love with the, his work ethic when he saw it, and and he was talking it up. So I think there's some. I I, I think that there would be some legs to that as long as as long as everything that is surrounding this. Is, is clear. You know, right. suddenly there was uh, an allegation this last weekend of what? Some sort of assault. The news about him uh, actually having to what, pay the fine for going and what the actual speed was, going over 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And all these, there's like these strategic leaks that keep coming out involving Antonio Brown that I find to be incredibly curious. And I don't know if they're meant to try to uh, ding his value or chase teams away, but it just it seems really strategic the way some of these things are coming out, Q. All right, so that was part two, and yeah, our conversation is still going. That's right. I'm telling you, I probably could have done like a two-hour show with Chris because this this conversation, we could have done this probably all night long, but uh, either way, uh, good stuff right here. So part three of our conversation is coming up next here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. You are Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, final segment of the day. It is segment number three on this Locked On Raiders podcast on this Thursday, February 14th, Valentine's Day. Here's the final segment of my conversation with Chris Plank. Told you we were going to show some love on this Valentine's Day, and we absolutely are. So let's jump right into it. Segment number three, me and Chris Plank here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Uh, You mentioned early in in the interview about uh, guys that were blocking for Kyler Murray, that there's four guys on that offensive line that are going to be in the draft. Obviously, Hollywood Brown's going to be in the draft. What about some other guys that are at Oklahoma that you see on the regular, you saw on the regular, kind of covered them? Uh, do you see some guys there that are prospects that you'd like to see uh, in the silver and black? Oh, yeah, C.D. Lamb next year. Taking with your first pick. they got a wide receiver. Now, I'm looking ahead to 2020 already. But if, if, if you're a Raider fan uh, and you get a chance – Watch C.D. Lamb next year in a Sooner uniform. But as far as this season, you probably will have three Sooners go in the first round. I think there's a really good chance you could have three because Cody. there's four of the five offensive linemen from last year's Joe Moore award-winning offensive line queue. And 
one of them is going in the first. Cody Ford's going in the first round. And Cody Ford's an incredible story because he was a right guard, uh, left guard. He tore his leg up two years ago in a game against Ohio State. Came back this year. We all projected him as a right guard. Then all of a sudden in fall camp, uh, OU's offensive line coach, Bill Beanbow, said, yeah, we've been working with him at tackle. Lo and behold, he goes out, has a stellar year as a right tackle, ends up leaving early, and some have projected him as high as maybe a top 8-10 to 10 draft pick. So Cody Ford's going to go high. Uh, I think Bobby Evans is going to be about a third-round pick. He was the left tackle this year. He replaced Orlando Brown, who's now the starting right tackle with the Ravens. And then the two guards are just grinders, and Drew Samia, who can do a little bit of everything, and Ben Powers. But listen, this, this, this class for Oklahoma is about – I'm going to talk about Rodney here in a second. Okay. This class for Oklahoma is really about two dudes. It's about Kyler Murray and kind of the talk that's going to surround him and Marquise Brown. And it's funny because size is going to be the conversation with both of those guys. It's not going to be speed, and there had always been jokes about these two guys racing each other and who would win the race. We're going to get that opportunity at the Combine. The biggest question around Holly Marquise Hollywood Brown, the Hollywood Florida product, the biggest question is going to be, uh, vers- uh, not versatility, uh, durability. Okay. And if you draft him, are you drafting the next Tavon Austin or are you drafting the next Tyree Kill? Because that's just the unfortunate tag now that you have with a, a smaller receiver. And I've seen this dude make some catches across the middle where he has no fear whatsoever. So I mentioned the four offensive linemen, the quarterback, and the wide receiver. But there might not be a more compelling prospect than Rodney Anderson. And Rodney Anderson... He's had three season-ending injuries, uh, and all three have been different. He broke his leg on special teams coverage. He, he had a neck injury before the season started three years ago that cost him a season. And then two, three games into this year, he tore his ACL. So the good news, if there is such thing as good news with three injuries, is they're all different. You know, the bad mm-hmm. news is, they're all injuries. So his medical at the Combine is going to be incredibly compelling because he's the kind of guy that a team picks maybe in the third or fourth round that you don't think about too much. And then by the third week of the season, you're like, who's this guy? You know, like Kareem Hunt, whenever he showed up out of nowhere from Akron, Toledo, wherever he was from. Right. And you're like, this guy's crazy. Alvin Kamara. You know, it's, no one was really talking about him as a superstar back out of Tennessee, and look what he's done at New Orleans. So there's a lot of comparisons to James Conner when it comes to a guy like Rodney Anderson. So I think he's going to be a very interesting name to keep an ear open for come draft day. I'm excited about it. I mean, I really am. There's so many opportunities for the Raiders. I mean, you've got three picks in the first round, and your fourth pick is number 35 overall. Honestly, and you've been following the Raiders for a long time. I've been saying for the long time, this is the most important draft in the history of the Oakland Raiders. Without question. And, you know, I think we all have our dream draft, right? Go get me an edge rusher. Right. Go get me a linebacker. Give me a playmaker. Yep. That's, that's it, right? You, 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 need, you need to do that. We feel pretty good about up the middle. I think we do. Do we? Do we? I mean, I kind of do. Yeah, I feel um, good. Yep. Uh, but if you end up with Quinn and Williams, I ain't mad. Uh, I don't know. I think, I think if, if Kyler Murray's the most talked about quarterback prospect or offensive prospect, Boy, Q, I can't wait to hear what they're going to say about Ed Oliver because that was one of the most dominating defensive players I've ever seen in person whenever Houston and Oklahoma played when he was a true freshman. Then watching him play my alma mater, Tulsa, uh, in the 
in the American Athletic Conference. So I'm curious to see kind of how Mayock and Gruden grade him out because I think he's a difference maker. But, this, yeah, you, you, you've got to get right, man, and you've got to get playmakers. You've got to fill holes. You're not going to fill them all in this draft, regardless of how much we hope they do. Right. But you've got to hit a home run. This isn't a situation to where you can just bunt some guys over and just keep waiting for something to happen. You've got to go out there and you've got to swing for the fences, which is why there's a part of me that really thinks that uh, QB1, Kyler Murray, is in play. I really do. Um, yeah. Do I necessarily want that to happen? Uh, well, no, because I like Carr. But it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's in play come draft day. No, not at all. I, I think he's definitely in play as well, and, and I'm with you, man. I, I think Carr gets it done. I hope he gets it done. I think 2019 <laughs> is the year that he really has to step up and take that next level and show that he could be the guy, be the dude, you know, be the $125 million man because, look, it's all going to fall on your shoulders even if it's not always your fault. So he's got to really step it up, I think, in 2019. Oh, yeah, man. And what do they always say? That biggest jump in Gruden's offense for quarterbacks is year one to year two. Yep. You know, you, 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 you covered Baylor for a while, and their offensive coordinator, Philip Montgomery, was at Tulsa. Or is at Tulsa, I should yep. say. And he always said, you know, with this, with this type of offense, with our offense, it's usually about that third game into the second season to where you realize, all right, this is quick and we're good. But, um, yeah, it's, it's gonna, this is the year for Derek Carr. You know, his contract is guaranteed through this year. It became yep. official, I think I Last heard you week. talking about what, a couple weeks ago. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, it, here we go. You know, it's it's kind of like let's let's prove it or lose it. And it's, it's the way of the league. You get about four or five years, if even that, and if they don't feel like they can get it done with you, you can move on. But that's one of the most enraging things about the Kyler Murray talk, though, is people that say, well, he could – Teams are worried that he might, after a couple of years, their things don't go well, turn back to football. Really? If things don't go well after two years, the team moves on from you. <laughs> right. You need to make that decision. Yep. So uh, I just, I, I'm really, I, am, I don't know if I've ever been this excited for the start of free agency on March 13th, and I know in my lifetime I haven't been this excited about the NFL draft. I just, it's a make-or-break year, man. It, it really The AFC West isn't getting any easier. Denver goes out and brings in Fangio. They're going to get that defense ramped back up. Patrick Mahomes isn't going anywhere, no. though. When he gets his $200 million deal, I think they're going to really have challenges in team building around him. And uh, as, as much as there's a part of me that just wants to yell fluke every time I look back with what happened to Chargers this year, Philip Rivers isn't going anywhere, and unfortunately, neither is Melvin Gordon, and neither is Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they're, and Darwin James, for goodness sakes, you're welcome, Charger fans. Right. So, it's just, it's not getting any easier, and that's, those are the teams that you're going to play six times. You know, that's, you just... You, you can't miss, period, no, in the discussion. No, you got to win your division. I mean, it's real simple. You, yeah. have, you have to win your division. Let me ask you this before I let you go, and I appreciate all your time, man. It's been awesome, but we're radio guys. We just sit here and talk, and we don't think nothing of it. So it is great. I, I really I can appre- go all night. Exactly. All Raiders, man. <laughs> exactly, man. I, I love this. It's a great conversation. We're going to have to do more of this. Let me ask you your thoughts on the hiring of Mike Mayock, what you think that that means as far as helping John Gruden out. He hasn't always had the greatest pass and the greatest history as far as draft goes, and Again, like you just mentioned, this draft is so important. What do you think Mike Mayock is going to bring to the table, and what was your excitement level when you heard that he was the GM? When I first heard it, I thought it was a joke. I really <laughs> did. I didn't believe it. You know, I uh, I had heard names like Elliot Wolf that had been tied to it, and I'm a big Elliot Wolf mm-hmm. fan. 
Um, I heard Scott McLuhan, who I'm a big fan of as well, too, and the team building he did in San Francisco. And when I say I'm a big fan of this time of the season, I love team building. You know, right. when I'm when I'm playing Madden, I'll spend more time on the draft in my free agents than I will play in the damn season. I, mean, that's, <laughs> I love team building. So when I heard they got Mayock, I was a little bit worried because he hasn't ever been in a GM role. You know, like John Lynch. You know, this isn't a dude that was a general manager and then got into TV and was looking for an opportunity to get back as a GM. So there's not that understanding of the day-to-day operation. There's not that, oh, oh, okay, i got to worry about how to structure this contract or this deal. But the Raiders have people there for that. You know, it, it sounds crazy, but there's a day-to-day operation that's been run, and Gruen's no dummy as much as many in the national media want to try to paint him out to be because they had a bad year and they moved on from Mac. That He's just not. He's not an idiot. And so I'm, after the shot kind of wore off, I realized, I learned so much about the draft from Mike Mayock. Mm-hmm. And now my team gets all that information. And I know it's going to be different because he does have to focus on free agency. He does have to focus on, um, you know, obviously the contracts and right. kind of how that's going to work out and the day-to-day operations of it. But I, we've got Mike Mayock as our guy right now. <laughs> and Mayock, no offense here, Mayock's not Mel Kuyper Jr. or Todd McShay. Right. He's not putting on a TV show. Mayock is a fountain of information. And so when I realized that this was the guy that Gruden had entrusted to kind of bounce his ideas off of and that they're going to disagree, and I, I just – how about this? I think that Mike Mayock can be to John Gruden what – Stephen Jones and the Cowboys front office people were to Jerry whenever Jerry had the draft card and was calling in Johnny Manziel, and everyone's like, dude, don't do it. Right. We need to get Zach Martin. Don't do it. I think Mike Mayock can be like that for John Gruden to where, let's just say hypothetically at four, John's like, man, i gotta get, I, I got to go get Kyler Murray. Got to get him right now. Hey, calm down, John. Right. We need help here and here. I've got this guy graded here. You like him too. He can be a difference maker. Uh, and I also – you know, I think that Paul Gunther's a major part of this, too, man. I know that we're all still kind of embarrassed from that Thursday night debacle. Man. But I, I think Mayock and Gruden really have a lot of faith in Gunther's system. And I think if, you know, I, I think he's going to, and he and Mayock are boys. So, to me, I honestly, I honestly believe that this is going to work out well to keep away from some knee-jerk reaction. Now, to go back to last year, if it was Reggie or Gruden or whatever, some of those knee-jerk picks look like they're going to work out pretty well. Mm-hmm. An Arden Key, right. a Mo Hurst. You know, I, 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 I even think the kid out of Wisconsin is going to end up being okay, Nelson, Nick Nelson, yeah. the more he gets an opportunity. So with that said, you do like some of that, but I think Mayock's going to be a great balance for John Gruden. I think they're going to have some awesome debates. I, I do too, honestly, 100%. I, I do too, and I think that if he could be Stephen Jones to, to like you mentioned, uh, hold, <laughs> holding Jerry Jones hostage and not letting him go get Johnny Menzel, <laughs> that was great. You know, that was great, and that yeah. was that was good moves for the Cowboys. And if Mike Mayock and John Gruden, who I do believe have mutual respect, where Reggie McKenzie and John Gruden were never going to be on that same page, they weren't each other's guys. I mean, that's you yeah. know, yeah, that's just how it is. You know how it works. I mean, if you're not oh, that yeah. person's guy, you're probably not long for the, the organization. And I do think that there's a philosophical difference. I think, I think there are certain types of players that Reggie liked that John didn't. I think there are certain strategies that Reggie went with that I'm not saying Gruden necessarily disagreed with, but he just has a different way of thinking about it. Nothing wrong. Right. Uh, not, nothing bad about it, but just people are going to think differently. Yeah. 
Reggie's going to get a job. He's yeah, going to yeah. be fine. He might be a GM again someday. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Gruden's the boss, man. He's making the calls, and I think he respects the opinion of a guy like Mayock. And, by the way, Mayock hadn't drafted D.J. Hayden, and Mayock hadn't drafted the uh, – what, what do you call um, Ovi Melifonwu? Oh, what was Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Yeah, Bigfoot. He's like the Yeti. He doesn't exist. Exactly. So, even though he's got a Super Bowl ring now somehow. That's but, a joke, too. You know, he, he doesn't look back on those drafts and say, dude, what have you left me here? And I think that's a that's a big building block in the respect that Gruden has for Mayock. No doubt about it. Straight out of Norman, Oklahoma. It's my man Chris Plank right there, host on the Sooner Radio Network, also on Fox Sports Radio, at Plank Show on Twitter. Chris, I'm telling you right now, you cannot uh, like run and hide from me. We've got to do this uh, at least a couple more times this offseason and a couple times at training camp. We've got to do this. This is great. This is. I feel like we just did a radio show together. That's awesome. We've got to uh, make this like an appointment Anytime. and do this again. As a, as a proud subscriber to the Locked On Raiders podcast, uh, I can't get enough Raider information, Q. You do a great job. If you're a Raider fan and you don't subscribe to this, you're crazy. And, yeah, let's do it again. Let's do it close to the draft. Get James on here, too, man. And let's all okay. cut and cuss and yell at each other whenever it comes to how we feel the Raiders should go draft-wise. Let's do it. It's a done deal, <laughs> man. I'm locking you in. Uh, everyone heard it, and you can't you can't run from me now. You gotta... I'm not running, dude. <laughs> okay. Anytime, buddy. Hey, that's awesome, man. I appreciate your time. It's been a, a lot of fun, a lot of great information. And, like I said, we definitely will do it again. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Q. Great stuff from my guy Chris Plank right there, and I told you uh, I could definitely have talked to him for like another hour or, or more. You know what I mean? A really good conversation, really good insight. Hope you appreciated that. Definitely let me know your feedback on it, 707-654-4693. Speaking of feedback, got a lot of uh, good feedback already on Antonio Brown, lots of uh, good feedback on the draft, good feedback on the podcast in general. That's going to gonna be coming up on Friday's episode and uh, not only that, got a little bit of uh, Rod Woodson's conversation that I had with him at the Super Bowl in Atlanta. Uh, I haven't, I never even played it on the radio, but I'm uh, going to play a little bit of the Rod Woodson interview. That'll also come up on Friday's episode. So until next time, Raider Nation, have a great Valentine's Day. And as always, just win, baby.